Concern about a possible earthquake in early December is leading school officials in Hopkins County, Kentucky to cancel classes. The particular chatter was just that it was just completely uh, unbelievable. On the other hand, uh, because of the public interest, because of the interest in the media, there was an official uh, evaluation of the prediction made by the National Earthquake Hazard Prediction um, Council. Meanwhile, the local rumor mill is grinding out a steady diet of weird tales, omens that the big one is just hours away. We heard yesterday that the birds are flying backwards in New Madrid. Cows were butting their heads up against the trees. <laughs> the river boiling, you know, bubbling. I was told there were uh, two angels on the other side of St. Louis stopping traffic, telling them not to come in. <laughs> Bridge traffic wouldn't be so bad if it protected you from an earthquake. I'm Jonathan All. This is St. Louis on the Air. Today is the 30th anniversary of when self-proclaimed climatologist Ivan Browning predicted a massive earthquake along the New Madrid seismic zone. Here's a clip from that fateful interview in 1990. The triggering of large earthquakes is done by high tidal forces. That is, high tidal forces have been shown to trigger large earthquakes. There is a probability, an enhanced probability, of a large earthquake along all faults in the 30 to 60 degrees north latitude range around December the 2nd. Now that may sound a little bit dry and a little bit not very dramatic, but Browning's prediction sparked a media frenzy in the region. The small town of New Madrid was suddenly inundated with television crews. Concern about a possible earthquake in early December is leading school officials in Hopkins County, Kentucky to cancel classes. Thank you, Mr. Browning, for putting us on the map. For months, word has spread about Ivan Browning's forecast for a major earthquake on the New Madrid Fault. Today, in the town named for the fault, the media was out in force. It's almost like a celebration. It seems nearly all the local people have been interviewed, and dozens of high-tech satellite trucks are beaming back stories on the hoopla and fear caused by one man's unscientific prediction. We have a guy that just continually stocks that water. It's, it's a, it is a full-time job, 12 hours a day. They buy boxes of it, fill their shopping carts with it. This store alone has sold over 10,000 gallons this week, all in the name of earthquake preparedness. Charlotte Grissom admits she's afraid. I just had a bigger car. The New Madrid woman filled her car with family heirlooms so they won't be left behind if there is a quake. At a moment's notice, I'm gone. Meanwhile, the local rumor mill is grinding out a steady diet of weird tales, omens that the big one is just hours away. We heard yesterday that the birds are flying backwards in New Madrid. Cows were butting their heads up against the trees. <laughs> the river boiling, you know, bubbling. I was told there were uh, two angels on the other side of St. Louis stopping traffic, telling them not to come in. <laughs> not everyone in Memphis and the Mid-South is taking the prediction seriously. There is a lighter side to the story, like this new product called Seismic Earthquake Repellent. The label says a few quick squirts keeps those nasty earthquakes away. After December 3rd, it may follow the pet rock into obscurity, but right now the gag item is selling like hotcakes. Welcome to the Fault Line, an East Memphis nightclub where poking fun at earthquake hysteria is the name of the game. 
Here you can drown your quake anxiety in a new drink called the Earthquake Shake. Or you can test your sure-footedness by doing what's known here as the crack dance. Your left foot goes on the crack. Your right foot goes in the air. Neither rumors nor Browning's prediction have kept outsiders away. It would take a real earthquake to end what's become the festival on the fault. Charles Thomas, ABC News, New Madrid, Missouri. That was a montage of just some of the media coverage from Ivan Browning's prediction 30 years ago. And if you're anything like us here at St. Louis on the Air, this brings two thoughts to mind. First of all, what would that have been like if the Internet had existed back then? And number two, after today's show, we'll all be learning the crack dance. Joining me to talk about all of this fact and fiction and remember things and how things are right now is Robert Herman. He's a professor emeritus of geophysics at St. Louis University, a retired seismologist who spent his career studying earthquakes in the area. Bob, welcome to the Thank you very much. So listening to some of that hysteria and, and some of the craziness that ensued, um, does that bring you back? And, and what are your, your initial thoughts thinking back on this prediction from 30 years ago? Well, it was a very interesting time. Um, at that time, we could not predict earthquakes. Uh, we were surprised uh, that anyone would claim that they could predict an earthquake. Uh, we still cannot predict earthquakes on, on the short term. So uh, this was an episode in which uh, there was a lot of interest. Then it became quiet and died down. In September of 1990, there was a magnitude 4.7 earthquake down just very close to uh, Cape Girardeau, Missouri. And then all of a sudden, there's a lot of interest in earthquakes again. And then it started building and building and building. And then finally, on December 3rd, all the interest just crashed to total quiet. <laughs> so is it difficult to try to find that balance point between making people understand um, the, the, uh, the land around us and the possibility for a major earthquake and understanding what the New Madrid Fault is and the science behind it, but also avoid getting to the point where people are selling quake spray? Well, it's all particular, you know, a question of, let's say, odds or probabilities. And people don't necessarily understand what that means. So we know that big earthquakes have occurred in the past, before 1811, 1812. And so scientifically, they could occur in the future. So we cannot say definitely that something will not occur on a certain date. On the other hand, we can say that it's very unlikely. So as this all started, what, you know, what could have stopped it was a definite statement that people would believe that they would not, you know, there would be no big earthquake on December 3rd. But scientifically, you know, and ethically, we cannot do that. Do, so do, um, do you have that, any... that was really, really the big problem. Do, and do... then, of course... Uh, there's the real question of, you know, whether people uh, really want to listen to what the scientist wishes to say. And we still have that particular problem, you know, today. we got a you know, severe national crisis because people don't believe uh, others who have spent their lives learning about a particular subject. Do you have any speculation as to why 
Ivan Browning was believed and why anybody thought that a non-scientific prediction like that caught some people's imagination and had them latch onto it the way they did. Well, I think it really goes back to the previous year. So uh, Dr. Browning had a career as a consultant and would give talks on long-term uh, estimates of what might happen to the climate, and this would be a ver- certainly of interest to agricultural groups, which, you know, which depends upon do you have a good year for crops or not. So he gave some talks, and as an aside, he said, well, there could be some big earthquakes on these windows of time. Well, after that particular presentation, you had the World Series earthquake of, in October of 1989. And as many people will, will recall, this earthquake occurred down um, south of the San Francisco Bay near Santa Cruz. But it did damage in, you know, in uh, San Francisco. It caused highway collapses in Oakland, California, and also fatalities. And it disrupted the World Series. So all of a sudden, there is interest in earthquakes. So Dr. Browning also estimated that there would be a time period in December, somewhere between this range of the you know, big range of the surface of the Earth, uh, in which something big could happen. Now, this included Italy, which has had big earthquakes in the past, Japan, which has had big earthquakes in the past. So it's a whole swath of the Earth's surface that would be likelihood. And one of these places that he mentioned uh, would have been the New Madrid region. So I think it's the, the association of the, of the Loma Prieta earthquake and sort of this rough estimate that caught the attention of some people. Uh, there was a person down at uh, Southeast Missouri State University who uh, latched on to this and sort of sort of promulgated the you know what Ivan Brown, Browning said. So he was sort of a, a person who, who supported this. And then it caught the press and it kept getting back and forth batted back and forth between different media. But you know, it was even reported in the New York Times. There's a summary of all of sort of the, the history of this and all the newspaper clippings in a publication that can be obtained on the web for free, and it's a U.S. Geological Survey Circular 1083, and it's called The Responses to Ivan Browning's Prediction of a 1990 New Madrid, Missouri Earthquake. So that would, you know, people could read that and just follow everything that was said. Now, this was also uh, latched upon by others, you know, as a way of um, promoting seismic safety. The major media outlet was was the printed page. Um, they used this as an opportunity to promote earthquake safety. So there were a lot of uh, good information about what to do during an earthquake how to prepare one's home for an earthquake, uh, how to prepare, you know, supplies, uh, strapping down the, the water heaters so that it would not tip over and cause damage, uh, and 
really to promote seismic safety. Another thing that came out of this was an establishment of the Missouri State Seismic Safety Commission by, by the legislature. The commission still exists, and its purpose is to promote seismic safety within the state. So it sounds so like... So in the last 30 years, um, a lot of good has been done in terms of making the region safer for earthquakes. Uh, a lot has been done to, so let's say, improve our ability to respond quickly to an earthquake, to save lives, and to... Um, to save infrastructure. That, that sounds so, like, like a lot of really good stuff that came out of this. And we'll talk a little bit more about that after our break. I would like to invite our listeners into the conversation. What do you remember about the hysteria surrounding Ivan Browning's prediction? You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at STL publicradio.org. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Now back to our conversation with Bob Herman. Bob, you were part of Missouri's Seismic Safety Commission at the time of this. What were you and your colleagues talking about when Ivan Browning made this prediction? Well, uh, I have to correct you there. The commission was set up after this. Okay. Well, people who studied earthquakes the way you did, what was the general chatter like at the time? The particular chatter was just that it was just completely uh, unbelievable. On the other hand, uh, because of the public interest, because of the interest in the media, there was an official uh, evaluation of the prediction made by the National Earthquake Hazard Prediction um, Council. So that was done by a national level committee uh, headed by the U.S. Geological Survey, and they did report on that. And they said there was no particular basis to that um, prediction of an earthquake. Um, so that was reported, but the frenzy continued. Laura on Twitter wrote, The earthquake prediction hysteria is actually a rather vivid memory from my childhood. I was in first grade in Florissant, and we were supposed to have our holiday concert on the predicted night. We did some drills. My mom made an earthquake kick kit full of canned food, gallons of water, and a first aid kit and kept it in a trash can outside the garage. Adults seemed to know it was a bonkers prediction, but also... We live on a fault line and anything's possible, so it's best to go over the preparedness stuff we're supposed to be doing anyway, though I confess 30 years later I don't have an earthquake kick in my own home. So, Bob, do you think that that maybe we need to find a little tiny bit of that hysteria to keep with us and actually be more aware and at least a little bit prepared that something could happen? Well, well certainly being pre prepared for disaster is important. I mean... The biggest problem we have in our area would be uh, severe weather, tornadoes, ice storms. Um, certainly tornadoes would cause a lot of damage to buildings and, and threaten lives. Ice storms, which just means we lo lose the utilities. And we know now, because of sort of our 
modern technological society, we need electricity. So uh, certainly having uh, materials in a house, flashlights with batteries that work, uh, is, is very prudent. So, um, you know, I thoroughly support preparation, but I would not, you know, lose sleep over to become anxious or hysterical about it. Do you, is it correct to say that, that as we look at as seismology as a science, you can make observations and assessments that uh, a seismic event, that its probability may increase, but from a geological time frame, that means it could be tomorrow or it could be 20 years from now, and that is all a tight window when you're talking about the, the, the length of the age of the Earth. Is that accurate? That, that's right. I think, you know, we can talk about different levels of prediction. We could talk about a long-term of prediction. So we can look at what happened in the past 1,000, 2,000 years ago, and I, I could go that far back because the big earthquakes have left traces of their occurrence in the, the geology. So we know that there were big earthquakes down in New Matter in about the 1400s and probably in the 1000s. And using those particular rates, we could estimate for the future. This information is actually used daily in building codes. So right now that there's a national level effort that says that, you know, if you want to incorporate seismic safety in the structure, and if your structure is going to survive, you know, for the next 50 years, then you should design these structures to withstand this particular level of shaking. So this is done globally. Uh, going to the other extreme, given an earthquake, the question is what might happen immediately after the earthquake, because you could have aftershocks that could be disastrous. So there is an effort out in California and Japan where there are lots of earthquakes to make these short-term estimates, but it's all predicated on the given the earthquake. Another place where the science is really advanced, and this is because of what we've learned from earthquakes, is we could say, given the earthquake, what could it have done? Now this is very important. Right now, the U.S. Geological Survey gets live feeds from three to 4,000 instruments distributed over the surface of the Earth. So these things all come in very fast. Within minutes of any major earthquake, it's located within 10 minutes of a major earthquake. It's been reviewed by a human being. Um, within an hour of a major earthquake, there's nothing more to, to learn because all the seismic waves have propagated to the most remote uh, seismograph stations. So what they can quickly do is they can locate the earthquake, estimate the size, and then also estimate roughly the number of fatalities and the damage. So within that one hour, we now have the ability to notify emergency response agencies. And in the U.S., you would notify federal, federal emergency management agency, the state emergency management agencies. You would uh, notify the U.S. military that there's been a major disaster. Start responding. Um, another thing that's important in any disaster is the quicker, the faster we can assess what could have happened, the faster we could target the proper response. Everyone has seen pictures of collapsed buildings and earthquakes, and due to earthquakes, and we know 
that if you want to, people that you know will be alive within these collapsed buildings, and it's essential to get them out quickly uh, in order to save their lives. And in order to do that, you need the proper equipment. So we have the technological ability and actually the infrastructure now to provide this information to quickly respond. We did. So let's listen to um, good points, Bob. Let's listen to Jeff Briggs. Um, he's with the earthquake program. Man- he's the earthquake program manager for the Missouri State Emergency Management Agency, and we talked to him a little bit earlier. And he gives us th- their best estimate of how likely that our region is in for a big one in the near future. The experts say that the chances of us getting another super large earthquake, it's roughly a 1 to 10 scale. Anything over a 7 magnitude is considered really, really big. The ones that happened a couple hundred years ago, around 7.5, which were huge earthquakes. The chance of something like that happening again, uh, the experts say, is between 7 to 10% in a 50-year time period. Um, the chance of something smaller but still very significant, a magnitude 6 or higher, is a larger percentage. That's, an est- that's estimated to be about a 25 to 40% chance in that same 50-year time period. So that's, that's not a prediction, but it's the expert's best estimate of how likely it is that something will happen again. So when groups like where I work, the Missouri State Emergency Management Agency, the Missouri Seismic Safety Commission, other commissions that are in the vicinity, we look at numbers like that, and we look at the fact that it's an active seismic zone, and that tells us that the risk is significant enough that we need to keep an eye on it, and we need to prepare for it. Because when another big one does hit, there are millions of people that live in that area that are going to be impacted, and it's going to be an enormous natural disaster. That was Jeff Briggs, the Earthquake Program Manager of the Missouri State Emergency Management Agency. So, uh, Bob Herman, I, I'm, I'm wondering if what the takeaways from all of this are is that a lot of very smart people are monitoring this, they're tracking it, people need to be prepared, but a hysteria kind of thing that we saw 30 years ago isn't really helpful. Well, that's true. And I, I think the other the thing about estimating you know, talking about the earthquakes is the numbers that were just given by Jeff would be sort of what might be expected. Now, we also have to say the where. And the current study said most of the where would be down in the Boot Hill, Missouri. Well, if you're worried, if you're living in St. Louis, you're 150 miles away from that. And what we know about shaking is that the shaking decreases with distance. So even though there could be a big earthquake down there, you're not going to have total citywide destruction in St. Louis just because the ground motion is lower. So we'll have a different, you know, a, you know the effects will be different in St. Louis. The impact on St. Louis, if there were a big earthquake down there, is that we've got the hospitals. So you might have an influx of injured people from that particular region of the state having to be transported up to St. Louis. Um, St. Louis would have the bridges that would still be standing. Uh, so we might be the place that would be the location for marshalling of the, the emergency response because you're, if there are people down there, they're going to be affected. Uh, you're going to have to sustain them in life. You're going to have to provide them in shelter. You're going to have to provide them with local medical care. 
So there are going to be other things than the heavy shaking that will impinge upon you know the listing area of, of KWMU. Well, let's let's hope that if that does happen, it is after the pandemic because I think our hospitals are already um, uh, quite full as they are. You know, we got some great tweets. Uh, people remembering Cecilia Road. I remember this. They made us bring our sleeping bags and a bunch of peanut butter and crackers to school. We ate that as a snack for years after that. Uh, Eliza tweets, I remember learning about this in elementary school when it was presented as a not if but when situation. We had a coloring page and some worksheets on it. I definitely thought it was a guaranteed thing until just a few years ago. And, and uh, Bob, do you feel like this is a guaranteed thing, but we just don't know whether it's going to be, you know, very soon or, you know, from our perception of time or very soon from a geological sense that could be 100 it, years it's from a now. guaranteed guaranteed thing in the geological sense of time but that could be hundreds of thousands of years it's not necessarily guaranteed you know within a human lifespan or uh, at all so our particular experience in the st louis metropolitan area is that maybe about once in 10 years every 10 years there's a good shake may not do any damage in St. Louis. The last one that I recall doing damage in St. Louis was in November of 1968, where there was an earthquake uh, over near um, Harrisburg, Illinois, that actually caused some damage in St. Louis. And that was only about a magnitude five and a half earthquake. So yeah, it's quite possible that there'll be something in the next 10 years that will do some minor damage and certainly very possible that there'll, there'll be one that's widely felt within the region, but it's not, quote, likely that there's going to be something that's going to cause total def- uh, destruction in St. Louis. What I always like, like to, to say is that, gee, we're 150 miles away from New Madrid. Uh, Memphis is probably only about 30 miles away from the end of the New Madrid fault. So if distance is a measure, they've got a bigger problem than we do. Bob Herman, Professor Emeritus of Geophysics at St. Louis University, a retired seismologist. Thank you very much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you. And uh, another example of some of the uh, frenzy and the uh, lasting artistic uh, interpretation, Uncle Tupelo's 1993 track New Madrid inspired a lot by this. Uncle Tupelo from Belleville, active in the 90s. We're going to listen to a little bit of that on our way out. Coming up, restaurant owners who are trying to survive the pandemic and help those in need on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. She walked with me to the
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.